Welcome to Wide Awake Stories from Insomniac. This is a journey by a journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value, and a new experience. <laughs> Broadcasting from the Insomniac HQ, this is Wide Awake Stories. Welcome to episode 25 of Wide Awake Stories. Uh, we're back in the studio for another dope podcast radio show. For another romp through the uh, through the digital airwaves. Who we got in the room? Introduce yourselves. I'm Rich Thomas. I'm the head of culture and content at Insomniac. My name is Deirdre. We'll keep this short. I am a festival project manager as well as the project manager for radio and Insomniac Records. And you like the techno? I like the techno. I'm Daniel. I'm head of all things radio here in the building at Insomniac. Yeah, you're the radio man. The radio man. Radio guy. Nice and vague. And we're also joined by a very special guest this week, well, this episode. My name is Graham Funky, uh, a disc jockey for all intents and purposes. Yes. Your favorite DJ's favorite DJ, if I <laughs> may I use that, that term. It is a trademarked phrase, but yes, you may use it. It is a trademark phrase uh, through your uh, your creative partnership that some people may know, the captains of industry that yes. you have with Stone Rock. Yes, well. true. And you are in the house today. The house because, of truth. Uh, the house, <laughs> the tree of trust, uh, <laughs> because today we're talking about a very, um, it's a very delicate subject for some. We're, we're talking about the art of DJing. Controversial. Controversial for sure. Some people may you put art in air quotes. Right in, in 2019. Oh gosh, let's say how it is. It's not controversial at all. It's the truth. Yeah. It's the house <laughs> I'm, truth. I'm feeling <laughs> controversial. So the topic of today and the interviews that we have are all around the art in inverted commas of DJing and you know comparing it to what it was, what it has been, what it will be. I think it's also important to start out by saying, look, it, it, God, we can even go in the early 80s, late 70s. Uh, two turntables and a microphone, much different from four CDJs and a wireless microphone and everybody jump. Uh, or a controller or a playback or anything else, any other wizardry that yes. they're using up on the stage these days. So I think it's important for us to explore it and our guests on the show, Craze and Z-Trip, it's, it's important for us to explore how the art form has changed from what it used to be to what it is now and, and whether or not the process of tune selecting, of, of tune stitching, of reading the crowd is something that let alone happens anymore, but is, is valuable. You know, to, to today's audience. Well, I think as we get into this, we can all agree that over time things change. Full stop. Yes. That's okay. So to talk about this being a lost art, I think might be slightly too dramatic. We can say that we don't see it as often, that we should appreciate it as what it was and what it still can be. It just might not be at the forefront of a full festival lineup, let's say. I fear that with, with the people in this room, and I'm definitely one of these people, that like we have three, shall we say, older guys, who I, I'm guessing hey man, are gonna look. have the same opinion, and then one very youthful lady, who's definitely still of our opinion, but will bat for the other side as well. 
I fear that we're going to get into the whole thing. Like, you know, where old people go, oh, Twitter and technology and all these TVs. And it wasn't like that back in our day. So I think there's going to be an element of that because I know what I think Isn't about there always? Stuff. Yeah. Isn't but there that, always? But that's why we have you. You but hit us up on social media. Hashtag Wide Awake Stories. Tell us why we're wrong. Tell yeah. us what it is about DJing in 2019 that is so amazing and is so correct and is so important for our culture. Because, again, to play the other side, there's a lot of fans out there who are new to the game who don't know who the Invisible Scratch Circles are. And they should educate are. themselves. They've never listened to Demolition Pumpkin Squeeze it's music. It's fun to go down rabbit holes of music and different techniques and learning about old equipment and old equipment yeah wow I think yeah. you fell over wow the I'm serious there are vinyl. gizmos and gadgets what's no, vinyl no no come on what's vinyl oh please I'm curious to hear from our guests yes. Grant, when did you make the jump from vinyl DJing to digital DJing and have you yeah, oh yeah I mean we had to out of necessity so um, going back to I came up on playing vinyl right um, and about 05 they introduced Serato now um, you could have switched over to CDJs at that point but you were still running off actual CDs but uh, 05 for anybody who was on turntables um, Serato changed the game for a number of reasons uh, the first one being instead of having to travel around with gigantic anvil cases full of records which at this point if we were still doing that the airlines would be making a mint off us <laughs> um, true and some people still do to be fair y yes but you know now you don't have to. Now you in, don't have in to. In addition to not having to carry around the anvil cases, um, instead of having access to 300 records at a time, I have 10,000 songs available, 20,000 songs, however many songs I have in my iTunes library, right? So for any occasion, I'm, I'm set. In addition to being able to play edits that I've made or someone else has made, as opposed to waiting for five minutes into a song where the break is where I used to like to mix now I can just make a minute and a half version and play that and keep the energy up so there's a lot of reasons why it was great the flip side of that is anybody with mp3s suddenly thinks they're a disc jockey right yeah. without having uh, spent any time honing their craft and I must say that in the vinyl days by the time you had amassed enough records to do a whole night, you will have spent that time practicing. So by the time you finally step behind the turntables as a quote unquote professional DJ, you have some sense of what's supposed to happen. You have some skill set mm -hmm. available, right? Mm -hmm. And you know the tracks because there's a lot less that you can actually take. Yes. The playlist as well, the, the edits, the fact that you don't have to press dub plates, you can play, you can you can write a track or have a track that's been written that day and just instantly play it out, right. which you couldn't do back then unless you went to a, a dub plates uh, presser and paid fifty pounds or it was expensive yeah. to cut a record back. And then. they only played like twenty times and they sounded shit. No doubt. <laughs> so there's a lot there's a lot of benefits to to uh, CDJ Serato, you know, the technology that's available now. But from my perspective, and I'm sure from yours as well, there is a lost art. And it doesn't, it's not as manual as well. There's so many different, there's, there's no, the feeling. I did move to CDJs because I had to, you know, for the same reasons. But um, the feeling of, of, you know, a 1210 or a 1200 Technics deck, which was the, was, was the industry standard, it's just a different, it's a whole different thing. You know, you're, you're literally pressing buttons rather than, it's a, it's like an instrument. I felt like it was an instrument, but you don't have all that with, with the CDJs, and, but it does do a lot more other things. I agree with everything you both have just said. 
And I will say that, you know, contemporary DJs, there is a less physical component um, or there's a physical component that's missing. And I also agree that it made DJing a lot more accessible to people that maybe don't spend the time they should honing their craft. I, w- I feel like if you're truly interested in something, whether it's DJing, writing a book, producing a movie, being a doctor, uh, whatever it is, if you're truly interested, wouldn't, it, wouldn't you be interested in discovering where it came from? Doesn't that part of I the deal? I ask myself these questions all the time. And the short answer <laughs> is yes. And I'm one not, would hope and one would think. And I'm not saying that you have to go learn how to work turntables to, to DJ. And I'm just saying, like, be aware of... You're, you're in a moment in time. Just be aware of how it got to that moment in time. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I have an answer to that question is because you don't have time to build your craft if you are spending time building your brand. And I think a big difference between when you were coming up, there was no brand, there was no, there was no like Grand Funky the brand. It was like your skills were your brand. Yes. So if you didn't hone your skills, you didn't have a brand. But now, it, I, I think I think a lot of people who are enamored with the culture of dance music and the idea of DJing, yeah, okay, sure, they want to be decent and good, but it's more important for them to build that brand because if the brand isn't there, the opportunity isn't there. And back in the day, I think it was reversed. If your skill wasn't there, the opportunity wasn't there. I also want to point out that there are DJs out there that their technical skills are their brand. They're not trying to be yes. superstars. They are selectors. There are some, but it's, it's, it's limited. Right. There are some, but it's important to recognize that they still exist. Yeah. The difference I see, the big difference, the brand is essentially built these days by producers. So what you have on all of these lineups is a list of producers. These aren't actually DJs. These are people who have, who have made records that have, have got traction and then they, they have got profile out of that and therefore then been de- uh, booked as DJs because that's how you monetize making music these days. Which is very different from... Right, which is what it used past. to be back in the day, yeah. So if you look at the DJ Top 100 from, say, I don't know, 96, 97, 98, they, you know, the, very few of these people were, were, were producers. producers. They yeah. were DJs. They were DJs as a craft. That's what they did. So nowadays, you look at the Top 100, there's, you know, you can't be in that unless you have made hit records in that in that genre. This is correct, and I, I can't remember who said this, but um, if you're making music um, on a laptop, you don't really play any instruments or whatever, really your only resource for performing, quote-unquote, that song, your hit song, is to, quote-unquote, DJ, right? It's mm-hmm. not like you can get up on stage and mm-hmm. play an instrument. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To, to perform your hit single, uh, your only option is to, quote-unquote, uh, press play and I don't know if that's uh, a good or bad thing but that's just the reality of it right what you then therefore have is a bunch of people DJing festivals that aren't actually DJs these guys didn't come up in the craft they're not actually DJs so as a result of that the art of DJing just by the nature of that process is is essentially lost that being the reality you're quote-unquote dumbing down your audience to accept that right so the audience isn't expecting uh, someone to step up behind the turntables and excel at DJing. They're j- you've you've acclimated them to to just be happy with a producer standing up there and playing his song, and he's done. And goes, "How did you like it?" And you know they, they scream or whatever, and he drops another one as opposed to having uh, a set with some cohesion to it. I think that's a great opportunity to talk about our first guest on the show, Craze, who is someone who kind of checks both of those boxes. He has produced tracks. 
um, what he's doing with uh, with Four Colors Zach and Two Cents is, is also a very cool thing. Um, but dude can cut it up. Dude can well, that drop is his, jungle. That I is mean, his stock coming yeah. from the technical aspects of the turntables. And he wasn't shy about kind of saying where he puts his flag uh, in this discussion. Part of our conversation revolved around this concept of, of being the greatest and the truth in that and also the, the comedy and the humor in that. The takeaway is, if you want to hone your craft, as we've been discussing, you want to be the GOAT, you want to be the greatest, you want to aspire to greatness. But at the same time, that's part of the culture. That's part of b-boy culture. That, that That's what this all has its roots in, is flexing, being great. And if someone steps to you that's better, you give them the props. I'm interested to hear this. Let's go. Welcome to Wide Awake Stories, broadcasting from the Insomniac HQ. Craze, man. Welcome to the show. Yo, thanks for having me. How you doing? Of course, I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, I word, think the word. last time uh, I saw you was at Hard Summer. Oh, damn. Uh, which one? The last one with Two Cent? Yeah, you did the golf cart confessions and uh, you showed off the whip that Zach had... Uh, <laughs> Had rented specifically for the gig. Oh right, right. The fucking uh, what was it? Uh, it was like it was uh, like a bright orange Mustang that looked like a traffic cone. <laughs> yes, that shit was dope. We were whipping that shit all over LA. It was dope. It was dope. It was good stuff. It was good stuff. <laughs> so the theme for this month's episode, yeah. I keep going back and forth on what to actually call, it, but let's just call it "What Happened to Real DJs." That's that's the the working title that I've been working with in my mind. Yeah, and I was okay. tripping out because I love following you on Instagram. If anyone doesn't know Crazeroni <laughs> on Instagram, the animojis, everything, it's, it's can't miss material. Word, word. But, I, got, I got that content. I got that content. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you had word. just posted something recently about mm -hmm. calling yourself the GOAT. Yeah. And, you know, the GOAT is like a term, greatest of all, I mean, with Tom Brady with the Super Bowl, you always hear it about LeBron every year. Yeah, but when yeah. it comes to DJs, it's funny because you never hear like a, a, a party DJ, like, a, a, like right. um, a festival DJ or someone like that. It would kind of be frowned upon to refer to yourself as the greatest <laughs> of all time. But when it comes to turntablism, when it comes to the, those back in the day DJs who could cut it up, yeah. the GOAT is like, that's what you want to be. And you have no problem like calling yourself out like I'm the GOAT. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that mentality is so strong in one hmm. sector of DJing, but it's kind of irrelevant, if not frowned upon in, in, in the other end of DJing? Right. Well, I think, first of all, I'm a hip hop boy, right? Like I grew up in hip hop culture um, and around B-boys. Right. And for us, being the best was the only thing. You know what I'm saying? Like when, when I was growing up, we were dirt poor. So, you know, respect was everything. And once you started winning competitions and started winning battles like that shit was the, the most you could earn. Like, fuck money. It was all about the respect and the props. Right. So like wanting to be the best was the shit and bragging about it was just a part of hip hop. Like, it wasn't like you were being a conceited prick by saying, yo, I'm the fucking goat of this shit right now. It's like, nah, it was just you just just being braggadocio, right? And it was never on some like, you know, on some not hump, like, like people always come up to me and like, first of all, when I, when I call myself the goat, like if you, if you know my sense of humor, you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like people, like so, there was this one cat on Twitter that came up uh, that like, 
tweeted at me. He was like, bro, you got to humble yourself down, bro. I was like, bro, shut the fuck up. Get out of here, bro. Like, my mom, <laughs> I was like, my mom said if I wanted to be the GOAT, I should say that shit out loud and, and believe it. So for me, it's more of like a affirmation to the universe to give me what I want and what I want is I want to be the greatest of all time like why wouldn't you want to be the greatest of all time you feel me like yeah. that's that's why we put in so much sweat and tears into this craft like that's why I do what I do because in my head I want to be the best <laughs> you feel well, me and, and contrary to what people might think of when they say oh he thinks he's the goat that me thinking I'm the goat doesn't have anything to do with me thinking that you're whack. It just means exactly. I think I'm better. <laughs> exactly. And like when people ask me, who are the goats? I'm like, oh, okay, well, Jazzy Jeff, Q-Bird. And then they'll be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't say you first. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't really think I'm the greatest of everything. Like I'm the goat for what I do. You yeah. know, I'm, I'm like that style of DJing that I do with like battling and like you know wordplay and all that stuff and routines and videos I think I'm the best at that but I'm not yeah. the best scratcher like the best scratcher is Qbert by far he is the GOAT at that and like yeah. when it comes to being a DJ and like the dawn and the legend is Jazzy Jeff Jazzy Jeff is definitely the GOAT so it's just like you know it's it's playing around and I see how like rappers you know just go all all over the place saying that the goats like Gucci Mane and fucking Lil Pump said he's the goat. I was like, Lil Pump, bro. <laughs> yes, pause, yeah, pause, pause. Like my, my dude, chill out for a second. You know. So for me, I think it's funny. You know, what I mean, yeah. I think it's I think it's funny, and I think everybody, if you work hard at your craft, you should think you're the goat. Damn it, like put that put that out put that out into the universe you know what i'm saying like yeah. if you feel you're the best say it out loud i'm the best and like don't tear down somebody else don't be like i'm the best because he's shit no it's yeah. like just you're the best and well, think that well, in your mind and and make it happen well you hit on something which is sort of the crux of this whole show which is the best at your craft right i think people right. who have been around uh, from the from the genesis of the of the 1200s and wax um mm. can sort of i mean I'm trying to mix on belt drive tables forget direct drive you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah 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 the craft has changed and yep. and I think you would be the first to say, look, trying to compare DJing today versus DJing back then is kind of like apples and oranges. So you really can't yeah, yeah. knock someone for being an excellent DJ in 2019 using the tools that they grew up with versus someone who was an excellent DJ in 1985 with the tools that they grew up with. I totally agree. And even how kids uh, think about DJing, you can't look at it the same anymore. You feel yeah. me? Like to a kid, like, so when, when A-Track came up with that real, uh, real DJing hashtag, you know, all of us were like hell yeah real DJing I even put it at the end of one of my videos of uh, my new slaves video I put it at the end I was like hashtag real DJing and everywhere I went around the world people were like yeah man show them what real DJing is right and then I would look at some of the comments and I'm like oh wait like kids nowadays don't get it and they don't care like to them a real DJ is somebody that stands up there waving their hands in the sky and at every breakdown saying three two one jump like to them that's real DJing and to them yeah. that's what they're used to and so then when they see us up there like you know doing all this technical stuff or or even just word playing or even you know just just doing something that they're not used to they're looking at us like well, that's not real DJing to me. I didn't grow up listening to that like that, you know? To, yeah. to, to, to some of them, it's kind of like noise. So, like, you can't really tell a kid what real DJing is anymore. Like, I stopped using that because I was like, all right, 
we're sounding weird <laughs> to these little kids right now because when they see the, when they see what we do they definitely freak out and they're definitely like what the fuck are they doing that's some crazy weird dope shit yeah but it's not what they're accustomed to seeing DJs do so it's like it's we can't say it's real DJing to them you know what I mean like well yeah and you, and you can't become the get off my lawn dude you're back in the day you know exactly. it was exactly and that's so where I was going with that yep. yeah because exactly. you, you, you know you want to sound stupid and you don't want to sound old you know you don't want to sound out of touch but mm-hmm. I will say this um, it feels like that era of like remember Ohm Records dropped those deeper concentration compilations oh, hell yeah, hell and, yeah. And, and you know battles all the time at the at the Hollywood Athletic Club I, I remember there was some crazy like turntablist battles at the Hollywood Athletic Club one year a long time ago yep, that yep. that art is definitely not in the mainstream like it used to be in the late 90s and you yep. you you can argue that that art form cutting scratching beat juggling uh what what uh cut and shadow did with with the 45 stuff that is definitely a lost art i mean in my opinion the whole culture you know in general is is a lost art like emceeing nobody cares about that shit no more you know what i mean yeah. like kids kids are very happy to just listen to 21 savage and lil pump and they're just very happy not giving a fuck matter of fact if you if you bring up j cole to a lot of like little kids they're gonna tell you he's annoying and like you know they don't they don't like they can't listen to j cole for a whole album i'm like what and it's because oh it gets too lyrical it's like wait what the fuck and that's that's the culture right there that's that's what i used to love about rap you know, hearing bars and hearing people, you know, you know, yeah. have that penmanship and really care about the craft. And that's what I liked about b-boying. And that's what I liked about DJing, you know, just the but more way, skill. It's, it, it's funny, man, because in a way, it's the same thing with the written word. Like people don't like J. Cole and can't relate to J. Cole. The same reason why they can't relate to like reading long form articles. Um, (laughs) because it's too it's you want to hear something auto-tuned something easy some basically rapping today is just an extension of the melody exactly with with a a few exceptions obviously I don't want to be like all rap but like what's popular what's what's in demand right now is very sing-songy very you know you know, it, re- it reminds me a little bit of like how DOS effects or the Fushnikins used to have like that kind of gimmicky sort of flow. And it's and that's what it is. Yeah. And what I trip out on is for an MC, the act of making yourself different, like the last thing you wanted to do, the last yeah. thing you want to do is make yourself sound like someone else. Exactly. That's, that's why that's, that's why Chuck sounded different from from uh, KRS. That's why KRS sounded different from. Um, Rakim or anybody Rakim, or Yeah Rakim, sorry I'm, I'm drawing, or, drawing yeah. Exactly No no for sure For sure I, I, I totally agree And nowadays It's accepted And it's almost like It's better That you sound all the same Because like people Will like Even the beats right Everything is 808 Everything sounds the same I'm like how do you, How do kids get excited about hearing the same kind of beats over and over again. Like I just like uh, Future's album just came out and I'm a I'm a Future fan. Like I'm not going to lie, like I think he's dope. But this album I was just like, wow, there's nothing different here from the last album. They're all 808 beats. He's talking about the same shit and it's the same thing over and over again. And kids will rock with that. And I'm just like, how the hell? Yeah. <laughs> And, and, and look again like 
disclaimer is not to say I don't get down with it. I like it. There are things that I like, but most that, most that. But but I I appreciate variety, not just in a genre, but within an, with with within an artist. You know what I mean? Uh, of course, exactly, exactly. So, and so by the way, there there are tons of dope artists right now. JID, uh, Kendrick, J Rock, the whole TDE crew. Like you know, what I mean, Isaiah Rashad. Like there's dope people that sound like different and and the, and and they care about the penmanship so yeah. i just want to put that disclaimer out there we're not oh dude we're not, we're not the one at the shit. top of my list right now is is black oh yeah hell yeah hell yeah right i mean because he's got that 808 beat and that lazy flow but he's also a lyricist oh uh, yep yep and, and like an emo lyricist too but not emo like peep or pump or or or, or you know any of these other dudes like there's there's show, emotion yeah i feel that um, so the extension of that narrative to me is things like the Red Bull 3 style, things like the Goldie Awards that you are a part of, events that seek to protect b-boy culture in all its form. Why is it so important for you? I mean, I know the answer to this question, but so I'll, I'll take it out of why is it important to you? Why is it important to the movement as a whole that these cornerstones stay intact in some way shape or form i mean because it's part of our culture you feel me it's part of what what made all of this and and it's something that i care about so much because without the culture i would not be here so for me it's everything it's life it's like it it, it gave like this culture gave me the opportunity coming from nicaragua and being dead broke five of us in a one bedroom apartment it gave me the opportunity to travel the world make money feed my family for all these years and i'm so thankful and i want to protect this culture so much because it means so much to me and it, i feel like it, it's it's uh it's such an important art form that should not be lost you feel me like like any art form should not be lost you feel yeah, me that's like true. we must protect art at all costs so that's why i do it because like i just want kids to to know that if you put effort and and time into something you can make yourself something bigger and this this culture is what i love so that's why i stay protecting it and i stay shoving it in people's face <laughs> well and and you stay calling people out well i mean yeah, it, it needs I, to happen every once dick. in a while <laughs> <laughs> Word. Uh, but that's that, that that's the b-boy in me too like i feel like you have to say what you feel especially in times like this especially things getting weirder and the world just getting way more I don't know, scarier. People yeah. are scared to say what they feel, scared to express their opinions because they'll look some type of way. Like, I, I don't remember that ever being a thing when I was growing up. When I was growing up, like, you spoke about social issues. You spoke what you felt, you know, and, and, and you called things for what you thought were right. Like, I don't call people out just to be a dick. I mean, sometimes I do, but... <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time, I just call things out that I feel are important. And I call yeah. things out that I feel like if I don't say something about it, like it'll be written in history that I was quiet and that I didn't say something. You feel me? I don't want to be I don't want to be that guy. I want to when people look back on on me when I'm gone, I want I want them to know that this motherfucker spoke his mind. Like, you know, what I mean, like yeah. I look up to people like George Carlin. I look up to people like Muhammad Ali. I, I look up to people that were dope at what they did and spoke on social issues and never, you know, 
never bit their tongue or, or, or paid attention to what people would say. You know what I mean? Like I say what I say because that's how I feel. That's who I am. Nobody got to be like me. Nobody got to f- follow what I do. This is just who I am. And dude, what I love about social media and your IG specifically is that you can be honest and be real and say all those things. I mean, you can get into that beef with Delta or was it Delta or America? I can't remember who it was. <laughs> yeah, you, it was you, Delta. You can get into that, but you can do it an emoji style and you can do it uh, Instagram story style and, and you retain that humor and that and that funness. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah. I imagine social media for you is like uh, the, the most amazing thing that's come around. Man, uh, to be honest, like I've, I, I, I don't want to be on social media. Like the only reason why, <laughs> <laughs> I straight up, I wish I could not be on social media. I wish I could just wake up every morning and just do what I love and just do that and not have to worry about, you know, I got to get my numbers up and I got to stay in people's, you know, minds yeah, yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that shit. Got to I mean, be that's at that top that, left position on IG stories at all right. times. And, and and really, in my social media, like I kind, I'm just, I just want to give people that mirror. That's why you know everything is like, hey guys, and everything <laughs> is just like, I'm showing you what y'all doing. You know, what I'm saying like, I'm 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 letting y'all know this is how you look. Like yeah. I'm doing it in a funny way, but really, this is what y'all doing. Like you know, yeah. what I'm saying, and and that's the only thing I use it for. But I wish I was not on it. You know, for me, it is fun now because I I get to I get to be funny on it, and you know, I'm such a serious dude with certain certain things that it, I, I kind of like let myself go and like show people a different side of me because it's kind of like a relief. But I wish I wasn't on it. Like I don't like being on social media. I I I, I love people that aren't on social media. Like you know, like people that once in a while come come in and say something and, and then leave for like months I'm like wow that's so dope like you're yeah. not connected to the matrix like yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly and that, and, exactly and that's how that's how I used to be but then all my friends were like bro you gotta show more routine then you gotta be more active you gotta put more content and that's where I everything started for me one day I just lost it and I just went in for like a whole day just making fun of the whole shit and my DMs blew up <laughs> yeah well they, they careful what you wish for <laughs> yeah, exactly and then from there on I was like alright cool I'm gonna use it how I wanna use it I'm not gonna be a tool about it I'm just gonna be like that mirror to show people look this is how you look <laughs> yeah. now I, you know I, I never want things to go backwards you know I don't like things regressing there are a few things that have happened in pop culture where I appreciate the regression you know there was a little bit of a digital backlash artists and labels went back to physical packaging limited edition runs uh, yeah, stuff you yeah. could hold you know stuff That's you dope. could put in your have gatefold album covers like so I was happy with that regression right. um, I, I do get happy when certain musical styles sort of come back around again um, right. but do you think that that we have progressed so far with DJing and and sort of modern equipment, you know, Serato, pitch, uh, beat matching or, or syncing. Do you think that a return to sort of those roots of vinyl, some people even do all vinyl sets. I mean, right. do, do you think that there would be any benefit to that coming back? Or you think that could just, that, that should just, even someone who's from that era, mm. that should just stay in the past. We should honor it. We should love it, but let it lay where it is. Um, I feel like we should honor it and we should love it, but I don't, you know, I'm different. For me, I am a friend of technology. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I was one of the first ones to be be on a DVS. uh, And I remember people 
telling me like, yo, what the fuck? You're going to kill vinyl. This this shit is whack. I mean, even to like a small thing, like using the sync button, people were like, why you use the sync button? I'm like, why not? <laughs> it's there. It's there. And I know how to mix. I've been mixing for 10 years, bro. Like back then when sync came out, I was like, bro, I've been mixing for years. Like it's elementary to me. Like, why do I have to move the pitch and have my headphones on when I could just hit that button and concentrate on doing more things with yeah. effects and with, you know, Yep. You know, with just, controllers, just, with, with controllers you know, other and stuff. getting creative with the mix and, uh, you know, planning out a different, you know, it's like there's so much more things you could be doing than playing with a pitch and headphones. But my point is, I embrace technology. I embrace the future. But we have to honor the old school, like, you know, with everything. We have to honor where it came from. I love seeing um, all vinyl sets. I like seeing it, but uh, it's nothing crazy to me that it should be like. You know, it's it's it, it, yeah. no, it is special. I don't want to I don't want to word this the wrong way. Uh, it's very special. We should honor it. We should love it. I'm gonna leave it at that. It's funny, man. I I I was going through my I have a, I have a case logic of CDs here in my office, and I pulled out Demolition Pumpkin Squeeze music. I was playing it for some. <laughs> I was playing it for some that's, kids here at the office the other day. They're like, Wait, "What's this, <laughs> bro? That that's really what got me into DJing. I'm not gonna lie." That's what got me into DJing. I was I was uh, taking some acid. Uh, I used to have a waterbed, and I was on a waterbed taking acid. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, playing playing Mike Tyson Punch Out, listening to fucking Demolition Squeeze uh, music, Pumpkin wow. Squeeze music. Sorry, and uh, yep. yeah, that like you know when people say uh, Dilla changed my life. Yeah. No, fucking Cubert changed my life because I remember after that trip, I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to talk to aliens with my scratching. And I want to make people feel how I felt listening to that because it was such an amazing feeling at the time. Yep. Yeah. No, that's that's dope, man. In addition to when you perform, you also have a radio show that you do with Zach Two Cent Radio. Yeah. Uh, and you have Slow Roast. Yeah. H- how do you use? Uh, let's start with the radio. What does that monthly show do for you? How does that allow you to sort of? Uh, put stuff out there because when I've listened to it, it's not really like a like you're not cutting, you're not. It's not like you're flexing skills. It's more like right. these are tracks that we love. Um, little conversation between the two. Um, mm-hmm. How does that sort of satisfy one angle of your creativity, and then how does slow roast kind of satisfy the other angle? I guess. Uh, with Two Cent Radio, that for us is an outlet to showcase music that really doesn't get that much shine, like the music that me and Zach like and talk about all the time we're like damn how come this doesn't get played out or how come this doesn't get radio or how you know what i mean like we're always just like all this music needs an outlet and that's what we do it for and even with the mixes that we do at the end it's music that we probably can't play out in the clubs or festivals but we really fucks with this music and we really think it's you know forward thinking and and we want to show the people this cool music and that's you know that's the only reason why we do that um as far as slow roast for me when slow roast started it started as like me telling jake kill the noise that uh that i thought he was you know amazing at the time and he was and nobody knew who he was at the time and i was like bro why don't we just start a label because you know it's better for for us to like control the vision and put you out into the world with our vision than somebody else that maybe not maybe doesn't get it so that's how we started slow roast and for me slow roast was again another outlet to discover new talent discover new music and give them that shine give them that cosign uh from us you know because like i've always not to toot my horn but i think i've always been on the edge of 
cutting I mean I've been you know just always looking for that new style and new new music and new artists and I've always embraced that and I've always tried to like big those kind of people up so yeah for slow roast that was that was that was what I was trying to do I was just trying to put new vibes new artists out into the world and give them a bigger voice because it's it's hard nowadays to like you know get that shine or get that cosign so yeah and so I re relaunched that label uh, last month and I put out my EP on that label so look out for Slow Roast yeah I was gonna ask um, tell me about the EP how people can check it out and, and sort of what's I mean is the EP prelude to a full length I mean I know the EPs now people release stuff in a much smaller way you know it's not like one year between full lengths it's EPs singles um, yeah. tell me about the EP and then tell me kind of what's up with 2019 for you yeah well so uh, the EP uh, it's called Knowledge of Self, KOS. And it's funny that it's called that because I didn't plan that. Like, I just found a dope sample from MOP and it was like, Knowledge of Self, Knowledge of Self. I was just like, oh shit, that sounds dope. And then I started thinking about the EP and what direction I want to go into this year. And I was just like, word, I think I really did kind of like find myself again because I was like not really happy with like, you know, EDM and all that stuff for a while. I was just like, man. I'm not feeling anything right now and the the vibe that I that I really am feeling is like all the the beats the beats kind of vibe like you know like Ivy Lab and 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 uh and Shield and Suruda and and signs and all these people that are making like half t- they call it halftime but it's it's not really halftime to me because it's not halftime drum and bass for me it's more like what Dilla would be doing if he was a drum and bass head you feel me because it has like all these organic beats but all this really dope sound design and like really futuristic uh thinking vibe to it right so when i was making this ep that's what i wanted to make i wanted to make a beats ep and so when knowledge of self came you know the 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 the, the title track came out i was like bro this is perfect and like you know i have shield on it i have john first on it i have this dude named balatron on it and um yeah it's just like uh it's just an ep of the vibes that i'm fucking with and i'm gonna put out more of that kind of vibe uh and more artists that are doing that kind of vibe right now because i want to make slow roast kind of like go in that direction i kind of want to make it like how night bass did uh, their own thing like you know because like everything yeah. was so main. it, be- it main became room. a lifestyle in a way right and it was like at the time everything was main room EDM kind of like loud and shit and then fucking AC came with this kind of like dark underground vibe it was kind of like counter to that stuff the loud yeah. in your face kind of thing and I, it was dope and like that's what I want to do with slow roast and I want to make it like you know you come to these festivals and of course you're gonna have all rhythm in one stage and loud stuff over here and loud trap over here and i want i want you to come to my room and and have this other experience like how i used to go to raves and there would be like an ambient room and like Mm -hmm. a techno room and like a jungle room i want to be that for the new kids i want them to see that there's other electronic music that's not really loud and in your face and crazy like that that you could really get vibey to it you know what i mean so and then still slip in that dnb every once in a while (laughs) and of course of course Open format DJing. Let's discuss. <laughs> I mean, that, that definitely is a trigger word. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, obviously, open format DJing, that term has um, evolved, especially over the last uh, 15 years or so. But, I mean, if you go back to the very roots of DJing as we know it, 
those were guys that were playing songs from multiple genres, finding the through line and making them work. So in my opinion, when you say open format DJing, I just go, that's that's the true sense of DJing. And it's everybody else who has created a niche, a niche for themselves. The DJ should be able to sew anything together. Yeah, pivot. Well. That's why yeah. those pre 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 recorded sets. Like, if your audience isn't responding, how do you pivot out of that? You know, yeah. you're kind of stuck. Without yeah. naming without naming names mm. or, or giving Spill away. Tea, <laughs> yeah, pre recorded sets. There's, just a, there's a lot. Sad. There's a lot of that that goes on. I know. And it even makes if me it's, sad. Yeah. That makes me sad. And even if it's not pre recorded, it's pre planned. The benefits of sort of pre planning and, and analyzing all your music now. There's certain things you can't do on 12 tones that you can do you can make a flow you can make it mathematically well, perfect yes you know which you, which is really really impo- hard if not impossible to do on some 12 tones just with the keys i think pre-planning your sets is okay what i don't think is okay is not reading your audience and just playing what you intended to play all along yes from the like from the get go and not shifting gears and not going with the mood and the energy of where you're playing, I think that's unacceptable. I mean, that's the very essence of the job, right? Is to create a dialogue with the people in front of you. Exactly. And your songs are your words that you choose yeah. so if it's not if they're not responding to it then yeah i mean you're what's why are you even up there why are you even up there and like if you're playing for two hours and i just there are like three or four songs that i know i really really want to play i will do my damnedest to play those songs because but i'm that's excited what, to play and them. that's what makes you 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 know yeah and you weave in and out of that and sometimes i'll get to play them all and sometimes i'll only play one because it goes in a totally different direction based on the mood and energy it's genre depending because obviously you know there's different styles of dance music which which is more important to do that in but also necessary and harder to do when you're talking about a stadium show, right? Because well, you can't really read, like, you know, you've got, <laughs> you've got, I don't know, 10, 15,000 people there. Well, you there. also have to you assume know, They've that, just got their hands in the air. Right, it's, but now you like, have to assume that at a stadium show, they've booked you because people already know what to expect. So they can kind of get away with playing something that's a bit more pre-planned, which, you know, people are paying money to see a certain thing and that's what they're going to get. So I understand how that happens, but I do love the idea of going to a larger show and seeing a DJ that's a selector and I know I'm going to be completely surprised and hear songs I've never heard before. Let's drop some names here. And and I I think what we should do is we should talk about people who are still putting out mixes right now and are still DJing. Like, for example, to me, Spinna is one of my favorite of all time because not only of, of his selections, but the way in which he can stitch all those selections together and jump from genre to genre and still do a BBE mix and, and still do a, you know, his strange games and things mix is one of the one of my favorite DJ mixes of all time. Um, I, he... For me, he's 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 one of the top for sure. It's very um, dangerous to be a fan of DJs as a DJ. Mm. <laughs> That's true. So, so I know you, I'm looking forward to your you, answer. You, though you, you can be the college game day host who is calling the game at five and can't pick a winner. So I was uh, stepping out that one too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well then I guess I'll answer. Yob Yob say blows my mind every time I see him. I never know what I'm gonna get. He reads the room and get, and works people into a frenzy. It's amazing. Everybody's smiling, everybody's dancing, and he just, he gets it. He's technically good. He is, he has a great ear and a great selector. There's more DJs in certain genres that, that are taking you on a journey and reading the crowd 
for instance, like, you know, underground music, techno, house, that happens more frequently than, say, and that's where I live. That's why. That's why I feel good about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's my home. The nature of uh, of, of uh, dubstep or a trap set is, you know, there isn't a flow. The whole point is to shock you and drop as and many bash. songs True. as fast and as possible. There's a lot of there's a lot but of I sets say- I listen to that aren't actually. You you see, you see DJs and you go, that isn't even for me. Actually, DJing. What do you think, Graham? Well, when this very topic comes up with people who do indulge in it, their argument tends to be. Well, we're on stage, there's a light show, and without having the pre-programming or having the song as a single serving, right, you lose that uh, dramatic element which they've created with the with the staging of it, right, and the sets. I mean, if you look at some of the uh, elaborate production for uh, the Insomniac shows, I mean, yeah, it would be difficult maybe to do some of those. You're talking about time coding, visuals and such. Yeah, where they have like everything is, uh, yeah. you know, like lined up yeah. to have a, a, a gigantic dramatic Visual effect, impact. right? Yeah. And there's something to be said for that, 100%. Um, but I do feel like uh, people who do pre-programmed sets or playing song to song like we're talking about, that's their go-to talking point, right? Yeah. And I don't disagree with it. It's just a different thing, you know? Our next guest is someone who I think has had his feet firmly planted in both sort of that insomniac large world of dance music and uh, hip-hop and uh, turntablism. So I'm talking about Z-Trip. Z-Trip played the Funk House a couple years. Said RIP, R.I.P. the Funk House. Love the Funk House. He has played EDC China. And he also has toured with LL so I mean the, the dude's got chops and cred and he also takes DJing very serious oh super serious you know he's very passionate about uh, the job and one of my favorite things about our interview which you will hear very shortly is he said if he were to make a festival the one rule that he would have would be every DJ has to mix in and out of every other DJ oh, set does not matter that. what genre you are I love that matter what, it's like the only thing that gets unplugged are the headphones plug the other headphones in and you just queue up what's next and no matter what it is it's your job to mix out of it and I love a well curated stage Mm. if I may insert when he used to do uh uh, when he had his residency at the Palms in Vegas, many nights I was support for his night. And towards the end of the night, after I had worked and he had worked, we would just go one for one. Fun. Um, right, because then you really have to yeah. mix, right? Fun. Oh, yeah. Going one for one. And that was the most fun part of the night, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, fun dude. Let's get into it. This is Wide Awake Stories. We got a special guest in the studio today for Wide Awake Stories. Unique. The one New and York. only Zach. Unique New York. <laughs> the arsonist has oddly shaped feet. Check two, two. Zach Shaka. One, two. Sibilance. The one known Sibilance. as Z Trip <laughs> is in the studio doing mic checks. Thanks for coming through, man. Of course, man. Thanks for um, having me. I want to start with the event that you just had uh, in OC at the observatory. Yeah. Um, I was watching you and Melody do the rehearsals for that. And I'm bummed I didn't get to make it, but it looked like it was so much fun. Like, how'd that go? It was great. Yeah. You know, what for me, I've been getting back to these shows, um, having more fun getting back to certain shows, I should say, because I do a million different kinds of shows, obviously, whether it's, you know, uh, performance-based stuff or club stuff or, you know, weird oddball things or stuff that I do with LL. I mean, there's all sorts of different shows, but one particular branch that I've really been having fun with is going back to actually just doing straight up sort of DJ proper turntable 
fun mixing records that I like and I want to play um, versus the sort of the flavor of the month tunes. And that show was that. It was very much performance based, but it was like having a wingman like Melody is the exact co-pilot that I want for a show like that because we set up four turntables and we just did proper like real anchor DJ shit and it was so fun it was just so fun because he came to the house and and we he was sort of like well what do you want to do and i was i don't know i you know thinking about it, i'm like how about we just have fun man and just play it like we would a house party and just have fun with you know with doing playing records that we don't normally get to play and and doing what we want to do and because I feel like I have a branch in my tree and that branch, one of those branches is that I have fans who really just want to see that. It's like they'll come to the bottle service uh, club to see me play, but they really are looking for those couple gems that I might drop in between the mm-hmm. hit tunes or whatever. So it's like to be able to give them a whole show of that, you know what I mean? Of just me chopping up stuff on the turntables and just having fun and sort of showcasing the art form and, uh, you know, the history of, of what where we come from. A little bit more putting spotlight on that than um, here's a big drop, you know what I mean? That, that you know, if you're yeah. playing a certain, you know, show where you need of to course. do the drop and you need to get everybody hyped or whatever, yeah. like there's a time and a place for everything thing but um you know just like i like to go play sometimes i'll do a drum and bass set out of nowhere or i'll go and play a reggae set out of nowhere this is like i'm gonna go and do a full-on like sort of turntablist showcase and that kind of vibe but still through the filter of me where i'm able to incorporate you know different weird styles of music that i i don't normally get to play some heavy metal here or sprinkle it with you know some radiohead or something and how did the crowd respond they loved it they loved it man it was it was incredible because um you know, it's funny. Be- I I just I know that there that that crowd, my fan base is out there, and they want that. It's just that I really have to be specific about letting them know, like this is the time and a place to come and see it. Because yep. you know, I would. I, I remember even going back to the days of Coachella and and whatnot, where it's like I'd play Coachella and people were like he was amazing. And then they'd come and see me play at the Palms in Vegas, and it's like, what is this? <laughs> they'll tell all their friends like, yo, he was amazing. Yeah, he mixed yeah, yeah. Pink Floyd and he did this Black Biggie thing and it was incredible. <laughs> and then it's like they show up and I'm playing like you know whatever the, yeah whatever the hot <laughs> tune is of, yeah. of the moment, like and trying to we trying to sprinkle in the yeah. the 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 stuff that you know is who I am and where I come from and the stuff that they want to see but it was it's that moment of like sorry guys I thought he was going to be doing that you know what I mean yeah. so it's this weird you know if you're a person like me you have to really make sure that you um, what kind of Z trip is showing up today yeah yeah, yeah. and just be sure. like be very sort of like you know vocal about like here's the one like I, I was very sort of that's why I put out the clips of me and Mellow it's like the, I know the people who see this are going to go, that's what yep. kind of show it is. I got to be there for that. Well, and I remember there was a time where things like what you did or what Cut and Shadow did with Brain Freeze. I remember one of the shows that I went to at the Hollywood Athletic Club, Scratch Perverts were there, Pickles were there. Like it was a whole showcase, right? And it yeah. wasn't a DMC thing and right. it wasn't like a battle thing. It was just, you know, it's kind of that ohm, deep concentration, deeper right. concentration right. era. And, and and I think you just used a word that I kind of wanted to jump off of, which is art form. Right. You know, not to disparage any kind of DJ that does something today. Sure. Uh, that is the big drop thing or the, the, the sort of Vegas club thing. But the art form of stitching together tracks of, of 45s, rarities, programmed and planned things where the only real programming is, we're only going to use this kind of record. Like right. colored vinyl from 1985 to right, 1995, right right. right? right, right. That's the art form to me. Sure. Um, do you think that that art form is 
still really alive as as much as it was back then? Or do you um, think it's just underground or still is appreciated? It's it's a little tough. I definitely think it's appreciated. I still think it's alive. However, to be honest, man, I kind of feel like it's 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 sort of bubbling on a resurgence. And this is a very long answer, and I, I hope I can <laughs> dissect this and break it down in a way that isn't super. Um, drawn out but there you know it it, it kind of makes sense i've been watching this obviously you know i've been doing this 30 plus years like I, I started djing before i could drive a car so it's like i've been able to to watch it sort of from when i jumped on you know uh mid mid 80s to where it is now and it's interesting and i want to i also want to back uh, take a couple steps back and say i don't knock anybody who who just goes up there, you know, and and hits play and jumps around like I don't that's not the kind of shit I like to see, but I don't necessarily knock it cuz if it's working for you and it's making people happy and you're making some money off of it, who the fuck am I to say like that's wrong? Do I find um do I find super credibility in that? Mm. Not as much as I would in, say, watching Kid Koala do a, a a show. And by the way, on a side note, if any of you are listening, go check out Kid Koala's work because oh, the shit sure. he's been doing lately is like fucking light years and planets away from where we are now. And if you really want to see someone who's really bent the art form, that's the guy. Oh, I mean, starting with Newfonia Must Newfonia Fall. Newfonia Must the Fall is... And then just... Just, New, just, took it from just there. start there. Just go yeah. Google Newfonia Must Fall, smoke a joint, and just lose your fucking mind. Because <laughs> yeah. you're going to see some shit you haven't seen. Yeah. So, again, it, it's still alive and well, but you have to kind of dig for it a little bit. And I feel like it is kind of making a comeback. But I say that because I, this all sort of is hinges upon when DJing became accessible to the masses. When we used to have to go and dig for the records, and find the records. I couldn't find the same records you had, and you couldn't find the same records I had. It was just next to impossible. Yeah, we had a lot of some of the similar hits, but I would go hear you play a set. You would play something that I only you had. Maybe they only pressed 500, and you got one of them. And it's like, so your sound was different from mine, and the records separated you. But once it got to a point where all the records became accessible via Serato and digital DJing and things of that nature, it opened the floodgates to anybody, as long as you had the gear and you had a hard drive, and you had an internet connection, you basically had access to everything. And again, this isn't to say that one is better than the other. This is just to say it was a time and a place, things were different technologically speaking, and it created a different playing field. Right. Well, it, it, it opened up the floodgates to anybody could be a DJ. So yeah. you had all these people who had, had you know, like Jedi, old Jedi, passing scrolls and, you know, <laughs> records. And it was like yeah, very yeah. coveted, like very sort of, um, you had to do the work to get to that point. You had to, you had to go and spend the time digging to buy the records. You had to learn these records, everything. Once it opened up the door where anybody can get involved, it lowered the bar as far as, um, uh, entry level like anybody could all of a sudden you know the promoter who really loves DJs but you know could never DJ himself but really loves DJs all of a sudden is like guess what I'm a DJ now so now he's you know DJing his own parties and and you know good for him good for everybody but the problem is that by and large when everybody jumped in it lowered the bar and made I think the the 
the audience, the listener, the person who used to see, oh, that's a, that person over there has spent, you know, clearly a crazy amount of time. Look at his record collection or her record collection. Listen to them play. You can tell that there's a lot of time and energy that went into it. And you put that person up against somebody who just downloaded all the biggest tunes and played, but didn't necessarily have the skill or the knowledge of how to rock a, a crowd or how to put the songs together correctly. Just really was sort of slapping it together and or playing pre-made things or, mm -hmm. you know, not doing the work and you you put those two people in the same room um the people who really came up through this looked at that as sort of a this sucks because like you want that person to succeed but it's almost like they've fast-tracked their way to you know it's the mcdonald's versus like the age-old hamburger that you know you've 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 Some curated stuff yeah, yeah like that's you've curated <laughs> it's you know a family recipe yep. and so um and what ended up happening is the audience ended up um eating both and not really knowing the difference and because that happened and because we we let this thing flourish you had this now it didn't really matter about having skills it was really about you know that's when like sort of you know you start seeing like the the model dj or celebrity dj mm -hmm. or chicks djing with their their fucking shirts off and mm -hmm. stuff it's like things that really had nothing to do with the culture as much as they had to do with eyeballs and and um fanfare and like oh you know smoke and, and mirrors and shit and so we didn't really love that so we kind of were like we'd kind of you know the real djs when they get together and they'd watch someone like that they'd sort of nudge each other and be like look at this right yeah, yeah, yeah. so but the here's here's where it gets interesting because i feel like that was going to happen anyway because once you enter once you open the floodgates those people come in um they're gonna just it's, it's like anything that grows it's their it's their adolescent years it's their baby years they're gonna crawl before they can stand and walk and then before they can get to their you know uh adult years so i feel like it took us a good five to seven years before those people started understanding oh i need to learn how to mix so while that was happening while while all those people who jumped in were incubating and growing and and whatever I feel like the audience was also, you know, they might not have been DJs themselves, but now they also had the accessible, you know, access to all this equipment. Like, how can you do something that I can't do? Right. Show so me a little I, bit more. If I go to Guitar Center and I can buy the same gear and I can hop on, you know, whatever blog site and download the same tunes and I'm tinkering around with it at home and I'm better than you, the girl with your shirt off at the club, something's wrong. Yeah. And so now as an audience member, I kind of know what's up. So now it's like, I feel like we're at that point now. Again, long-winded answer to get to where we're at, but I feel like we had to go through baby steps to learn how to walk to get into like junior high then now we're in our college years yep. where those people are starting to like understand the difference between like good coffee and bad coffee you know what I mean they're <laughs> yeah. starting to understand the good mix of a bad mix yeah, and, for the, sure. and the crowd is a little more savvy now I feel like the crowd wants something like if you just go up there and you jump around and you don't really do much and you're not really about the the you know the the craft or the you know you call yourself a DJ and you really sort of wave the banner but you don't really you don't you you don't see the arc like again a Steve Aoki where they sucked and then they got better. Yeah. You just see someone going up there and sort of phoning it in. The crowd's not, you know, they're getting more and more wise to that. And mm -hmm. so I feel like the circle is closing in on those people. Like yeah. they have to learn the craft. They yeah. can't. It's like the monkeys. You remember when the monkeys yeah, were like yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? If you go back, it's like fabricated band, lip synced all their stuff, and then yep. it's all of a sudden they're thrown on stage. You gotta learn how to play some you instruments. You gotta learn how to play that guitar you've been <laughs> yeah. lugging around for five years. Well, so. You know, so if I say the word open format to you, right? good word or bad word, trigger word or not trigger, like, how do you feel about the word open, the words open format? It's irrelevant to me. Okay. Yeah, I right. prefer, I mean, I don't know if you can call them the same thing, but like, I remember, oh, who's so, oh, he's a turntablist. Right. 
oh, he's a selector, right? Right. It's almost like we had all these different names for DJs because those different names meant that they could do or specialize in different things. Right. And man, our, our, our other guest on this show, Craze, got into Never it recently. Heard of <laughs> Never heard of that guy. This is, he's up and coming. He's up he's and coming. Up, no, um, but for the record, I love Craze. He's a beast. Uh, I'm actually, I'm right now, funny, I'm, I'm rocking. You all can't see this, but my, my good DJing is important. Shout out to Four Colors Shout Act and Craze for, for blessing me with the merch, the Two Cents merch. Um, but he got into it a little bit, a little a little kerfuffle with uh, some, some, some haters online. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Yeah, I mean, you know... I know that y'all, who the, the old guard, you know, usually try and kind of keep it together and don't, but every once in a while, you got to pop off on someone who's. Let's just put down the gauntlet. The gauntlet is here's what you're striving to be. Mm-hmm. If you are not striving to be that or better, then really, what are you doing? You, you know what I mean? Like, it's okay if you're at this level now, yeah. but like, try to be better. Well, Crazy and I were talking about this concept of the GOAT. Mm-hmm. Right, and I don't know if you follow him on IG, but like I follow his, him on everything. He's, he's great. Been, right, I've been following Craze since he was, you know, yeah, since he was wearing oversized shirts. Um, I think he still is <laughs> wearing oversized shirts. He might still. Wear um, but we were talking about this whole concept of like, I'm the greatest, right? right? Kind of that like Muhammad Ali sure. kind of. You know, not not bragging, but just like like you said, aspiring to be at the top of your craft, right? And how in EDM and traditional dance music DJing, you don't really hear dudes even in jest being like, "Yo, I'm the goat," you know? Right. But in dance music or or in in turntablism, um, saying the goat, you know, I'm the goat is like, yeah, okay. Let's, sure. let's, let someone take that away from you, you know? Sure. And to me, what I love about all that is that it reminds me of one of the original cornerstones of dance music, which is essentially hip hop right. and break beats and breaking right. all that stuff from the DJ. But I feel like staying true to that art form is a cultural necessity. I agree. Um, for, 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 for dance music people these days who really don't have much of a point of reference like like we did, you know. And again, not to disparage anyone, not to say this is better than the other, but when you understand turntablism, when you understand improvisation, you understand the culture of DJing. When you understand the culture of DJing, you understand the culture of dance music a little bit better. Yeah, 100%. Especially if you come in at it from a completely different angle. Yeah. You know, if you come in at it from... You know, say you got onto this, you know, late in the game. Say dubstep was your entry. You know what yep. I mean? Then you got to go back and you got to research everything that came before it. In theory, if you give a shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but like going back to like early hip hop, it's that's the b-boy mentality. The thing I love about Crazy is he's so fucking b-boy. You know what yeah. I mean? He's like the epitome of the b-boy because he he's the guy who's like, you know, fun loving guy. But the minute you you know, start something. He's like, yo, let's go right now. Yeah. And I love that about yeah. him because that's the thing that I love about that dude. But that I think anybody who comes from our school has a little bit of that in them. It's, you know, I remember when, when we first started integrating in with like rave culture, you know what I mean? They always would put like the hip hop room in yeah, the, the funk room, the, the hip hop room, room. room, side stage off in the corner somewhere. Yep. And it was good because, you know, we got to have our own scene and we got to sort of play. The thing that was great for me was I was able to go, you know, I love all kinds of music. So I'd, I'd be in the hip hop room for a couple hours. Then I'd go to the main stage and play like 
you know, breaks or whatever it was, or you know, play a house set or whatever. Because yeah. we I, did a track with Brills too, didn't right. you? Right, I've yeah. done, dude, I've done tracks with everybody. Jack Dangers, Brills. I mean, the mm. old OG electronic dudes, the new kids. I, I, I bass nectar, whoever. Yeah, I, I love all these guys, and I have fun with all kinds kinds of music. But I do remember the b boy mentality of like when we did start to integrate into that world a little bit. It was very much like, oh, peace, love, unity, respect. I, I can get with that. I fuck with that. Like, yeah, this is cool. Like, most of the hip hop clubs were like hard rock dudes who just yep. were like yo don't fucking yeah, you know it's just a lot of energy yeah. testosterone and here was this rave culture it was super laid back and like you could be yourself and you could be weird you could dress however you want nobody judged you so the the plur was there but plur was there only until you dissed my crew the minute you dissed my crew it's <laughs> yeah. like oh fuck all guns out <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. what I mean fuck all that shit exactly. we're coming for you like meet me at the turntables we're gonna do this whatever yeah, yep. so the b-boy mentality I feel like always has to kind of be there because it's about being competitive yep. and it can be competitive and non-violent you know what i mean it's, it's competitive in the and not mean and not just mean spirited like right right mean spirited no, it's, it's, hey we're it, having fun yo, it. it's about trying to one-up each other it's about yeah. trying to bring out the best out of somebody exactly like, you know exactly. i'll give you an example man I, I i did a party you know i i played somewhere in, in san francisco i finished doing a, a set all my hip-hop records and you know whatever mashup stuff and everything and the promoter who was a friend of mine was like hey man afterwards we're gonna do this this um this private party thing you know loft party for like 100 people he's like you know you want to come to that i'm like yo how about i bring some house records and just play a house set like four in the morning house some Mancuso type yeah stuff. <laughs> I'm in a loft i'm like yo it's great so i i brought all my records up to the loft smoked a fucking nice joint got in the zone was the guy set me up lovely i was like yeah. yo we're just gonna i'm gonna be stretching out mixing like having yeah. fun three records into it some guy was like yo z trip you ain't shit and i was like oh, okay what <laughs> and he's like you I, you ain't that ain't nothing man i can do that you ain't shit and i was like for a minute there i was just like all right let the guy just fucking whatever yeah, yeah, yeah and finally like i just stopped the music i'm like oh then fucking get your shit let's go yeah, let's yeah. go right now yeah, yeah and here i am you gotta understand i'm stoned all my good records are back at homeboy's house yeah i got my house records and i'm in the bay area which is like scratch pickles fucking uh, yep you know all the like all the dope djs at the time scratch djs are in the bay i don't know who the fuck i just called out <laughs> you know what i mean who called me out so i'm exactly. like go get your records he's like oh, i'm gonna go get my records i'm like okay yeah, yeah so he goes gets his records he comes back he did come back okay he comes back and he jumps on and in two records, I was like, I got this dude. Yeah. I got him. Yeah. I was like, I just fucking scratched up some house records or whatever. But yeah. he was sloppy. He yeah, didn't yeah. have any shit together. And the funny thing is at the end, he's like, yo, man, I just want to let you know, man, I'm really a fan of your stuff. I was just trying to get at you, man. So he fucked my whole vibe up. <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, that, but the, men, the point I'm trying to make is if you're really about what you do and somebody challenges you, you can't back down. You got to at least rise up to the occasion. For sure. And for sure. It, to, to always have, like, to always know in the back of your crate or in the back of your, somewhere you got a folder with, like, some f fucking bullets in it. Yeah. Ready to take anybody out who steps to you. Yeah. Not that you'll ever use it, but having that to me was something that you had to have that coming up because it was... It's, it that, was, it's that little Derringer in the in the, in the the ankle holster. You, you every, <laughs> listen, you always got to have that because you never know what's going to yeah. happen. And, I mean... And not that that would, would happen that often now, but like having that mentality to know that at any point I got to show and prove yep. is kind of crucial because sometimes that'll make you, you know, it, it, it'll make or break you. And if you don't rise to the occasion, it's like... You know what are you really doing yeah exactly i'm gonna have to do it to you now so play promoter okay and and curate your show 
let's just call it one stage, right? Mm -hmm. For now, to make it easy. Um, who would be you? Give me plus five. That would really <sighs> round out that sort of experience. That's tough. I'd really have to sit down with like, cause that's, I don't want to just take five of my favorite, you know, yeah. guys or girls or whatever and throw them in there. But you know, it would be dope to see like, you know, I don't know, res and then go into an Andy C thing. You know what I mean? Like just, again, just even those two, the juxtaposition yeah, yeah. of those two is like, what? But here's the key in order for it to work. They all have to mix in and out of each other. And that's the key that's missing, by the way. I want to point that out. That's a very big point. We've got, yeah, that shit, <laughs> fuck that. That would not fly back in the in the in the one one room parties, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Or any or to be honest, at any as a DJ, the whole point was to never let the music stop. So yeah. I gotta tell you, like one of my biggest gripes that I have, and this this isn't about, you know technical skills versus new or old it's just about fucking common sense common courtesy to the people on the dance floor if you if i finish on a, on a record i don't give a fuck who is on after me you better mix your ass into that record because yeah. i had to do it coming out of yours yeah. and you got to leave me open and i'll yeah. leave you open and that's proper dj etiquette because yeah. that that stopping of the music kills the vibe i hate that yeah. there's nothing worse than that you know what i mean so yeah. like what what made those those parties interesting is if I went on after a house somebody I got to find a record that if I'm trying to not play house but play something else I got to find the two or three record combo that's going to ease them into mm -hmm. where I'm trying to go yeah. and that's a whole art in and of itself let alone playing the set that you want to play and again goes back to improvisation I may have my start and my end time but like if I got a mix out of your thing, give me two records before I hit start on my pre-programmed set. Whatever it is, let me get there. But let me get there organically and sonically. The whole thing where people just stop, grab a mic and be like, what's up, man? You guys good? Yeah. It's like- I was good. Yeah, so you made well, me stop dancing. <laughs> it's just like, it's it's become the norm. And that, you know, I don't know, man. I, I, I was raised in an era where dead air is the enemy, man. Wide awake stories from Insomniac. So his rule that if he had a festival that, that every DJ would have to mix out of the last DJ's track, I love that rule. That's amazing because yeah. you missed that. And, and the, the, the the gaps between, you know, 15 minute gaps for DJs, it's all about the flow for me. Yeah, but if, he said if you, the music stops. Yeah, for 15 minutes sometimes the and they, they wheel on a whole new stage. You know? But if I, if I had a festival, it would be fun to, for one night, to have a rule where every DJ, no matter who they are, they just get, they have to turn up and they have to play vinyl. Because that would be interesting. That was yeah. still the men from the boys, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Graham, I, I, you said that you and Zach uh, performed together a lot at his residency at the Palms. Amongst other events, you know, including the Insomniac stuff. You've known him for a long time, right? Um, yeah, I don't remember exactly where I met him, but um, yeah, I've known him quite a while. Any, uh, any stories you want to share about uh, contentious selection uh, choices? Well, since you brought up the Palms, um, this was at Rain, which was an amazing nightclub there with the fire breathing apparatus in the ceiling and everything else. Doors open at 11 and it would just get slammed at 11. So when we initially, when it, when he initially started his residency and he really came to do a certain thing, like I'm going to do this Z trip show, right? It's Vegas and it's difficult to sell that, especially to people coming to a casino and then going to a large nightclub. 
you know, maybe they're just turned 21 coming from who knows where and they just want to hear whatever new Lady Gaga song is, right? As the weeks started to go by of that residency, um, you know, where I would technically or Stone Rock or I think Obi-Wan was doing opening sets then too, you know, you'd, you'd try and do an quote unquote opening set, which is set up the headliner, right? And um, being that the room would get jam packed at 11, management realized you, you can't really do that. You just have to come out of the gate swinging in order to keep them there. So it came down to having a conversation every week with Z-Trip about which pop songs would he play and which <laughs> pop songs would we play? Like, which ones do you want me to say for you? And I remember... Um, Division of the assets. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I remember one night where... Um, uh, the song Let It Rock by Kevin Rudolph had been popular and I played it and he goes oh man I was going to play that and I looked at him like what conversation are we having right here <laughs> arguing over who's going to play Kevin Rudolph Let It Rock and we had a laugh about it and realized that you know a Vegas nightclub is a beast unto itself and it's very hard to you know, it's hard to impose certain things upon it you know what I mean to yeah. make it work it's difficult you know very few people have pulled it off people are going there for a certain thing so you deliver the certain thing. And that goes back to DJing, like we talked about. There was an era, and I would say from the start to a certain point, where a crowd takes their cues from the DJ. I want to go see the DJ do this thing. And there was a turning point where now the DJs must take their cues from the crowd because they have access to music whenever they want, as many times as they want. And in Vegas, yes. there's another turning point to that where the DJ has to take his tips from the promoter. Yes, it's true. <laughs> it's, I mean, it happens. If someone's spending $100,000 on liquor at a table mm. and they want to hear something, it serves nobody to not uh, respect that. And I mean, because that's how the club stays in business. The DJ's job at this point is make sure everybody keeps their job, right? <laughs> I'm surprised by your take on that because that's, I guess that's a deep, your job is the DJ, right? It's not yes. to impose, like you say, your own beliefs and I'm, I'm, this is my, I'm not going to be anything but my integrity is not going to be, you know, but it's, it's good. It's good that you, that that's how you feel. Dangerous to take the scholastic approach these days. Well, I mean, but I still work in bottle clubs. So, right. I mean, I've, I've changed with, with the times you have to, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I get opportunities to step in someplace and, you know, flex how we used to. Mm -hmm. But when I go into a spot now, I mean, I go do the thing. Right. I mean, it's a job as well. You know, it's, it's, actually, yes. it's a job. It's not just a passion. It's not just a hobby. It's also a job. Right. So I'm I'm happy to go in and, and make it happen, you know? Yeah. No, it's good. You said changing with the times. I guess that's what this whole entire episode is about. Yeah. Like it's adapting to technology and the changing culture and, and everything. So. Yeah. All, all DJs have to go out there and, and do the damn thing. But that, that means different things to different people. Yeah. From true. different eras. And, and that's but, cool. But yeah, but that's, I mean, we talk about the go even. Like DJing subjective. You might say, that guy's the best guy but then someone might think the dude who presses the button is half the time I'm working in these clubs I think there's people who just think I'm spot, uh, curating a Spotify playlist up there they can't see that there's a whole lot of things happening right they just yeah. see a computer and they're like well you're just pulling stuff off the internet who knows you know well, that is in part I think due to the fact that the art of DJing as what we know it or as what we grew up knowing is lost because it's not the same. It's the, the, an average festival goer who's 21 or whatever now. You know, they don't they don't really understand the mixing elements. I don't think that many people are really care about it, especially when you're talking about a lot of these headline slots. Precisely, it's subjective. I just want to shy away from saying that it's lost completely because it isn't. You just have to know where to find it. It's not at the forefront, but I wouldn't say it's lost to the ages. 
It just doesn't happen as often as everybody in this room would like to see. Well, I'm interested to know what uh, people listening to the show think. Why don't you hashtag Wide Awake Stories? Do you yeah. care about mixing? Yeah, and throw Is, comments. Yeah, do you care about equipment? Do you care about the history? Do yeah. want to is the journey important yeah is, is the journey important or is it just drops drops and drops come in on our soundcloud use the hashtag wide awake stories on facebook and twitter let us know who your favorite selectors are let us know what your favorite mixes are of all time thanks for listening to episode 25 episode 26 will be teed up right before we all depart to that place in the desert that we all make our annual pilgrimage to. It's Vegas time, baby. Vegas, baby. EDC Vegas 2019. More days, more nights, more fun. I'm tired already. <laughs> well, we'll see you next month for more Wide Awake Stories. 